All right, man. So, um, in the past, I was doing like uh, an intro that was separate to the actual interview, mm -hmm. and it kind of felt like a little bit weird because it's like, why am I introducing someone when they can just introduce themselves? You know uh, what I okay. mean? Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of like how we do it now. But I'll mm -hmm. like give you an idea of like what the podcast is about. Okay. And it's basically just. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out how all these artists are making it work, mm -hmm. living creative lives, or like, you know, whether it's just like they're actually making a living doing it or whatever, yeah. but because um, there's not really a, a system that lays out how to do things. Right. Yeah. So, like, I want to give like some sort of a roadmap of how other people are doing it for cool. yeah, anybody that's interested. So, I like that. Nice. Um, yeah, so you can just introduce yourself and go from there. Awesome. Um, well, I go by, I go by uh, RX Goals, or RX, and um, I've been doing uh, screen printing and street art for about, uh, about six years. Um, my main project centers around a skull that I photographed in a museum in London about mm, eight or nine years ago. Uh, I was traveling for school and really into photography at the time, and I... Uh, I photographed the skull in the National Museum of, uh, of History in London and when I came back I started using that skull in different art projects um, and it just kept reoccurring, I kept going back to it and when I started really getting into street art, watching documentaries and traveling and photographing it and I was like, oh, I want to join in, it kind of started to become um, something accessible when I started seeing it in Portland a lot. I was like, oh, what is, my, what is the thing I'm going to test, you know, you know, dip a toe into this community, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna go start with that skull image. And it wasn't really a permanent choice, it was just like, this is what I'm gonna start out with and see what happens. And um, I just never looked back, you know. I've started a few other side projects since then, but everything's dropped off. So um, my whole project has kind of been a challenge of how can I do this same skull over and over and over and over for years and years, and keep it interesting mm -hmm. for me and for hopefully for other people yeah and uh, so I worked as a graphic designer while I got my project off and running for about four years and then all the while I'd been screen printing and uh, printing my own work and it got to the point where people were just asking me hey can you screen print my stickers and that's kind of how it became a full-time lifestyle for me and a business for me in a way that I've been able to uh, live off of it has been through that that printing of other people's work so it got to the point where I was like well maybe I could not stare at a computer screen and do work for other like work do other people's corporate design work you know maybe I can do this uh, screen printing and and working with street artists full-time yeah. and uh, so that's how my project started and how I kind of was able to make it a full-time gig for myself yeah and how long have you been doing like the screen printing with other artists aspect? Of I've been doing that pretty much since day one. I was I started doing street art and didn't know how to contact anybody initially. So it was about six months of me and my friend doing it. And as soon as I found out Flickr was a thing, you know, I started like seeing that there were different groups on Flickr and I was like, I wonder if there's a street art group. And mm -hmm. I didn't just find that there's a street art group, I found that there was a street art group for Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh shit, these are all those people that I've been seeing on the street and who've been inspiring me. Uh -huh. um, and let me try and contact these people. And I created a profile for myself. And as soon as I did that and started contacting, contacting these people, it just 
grew from there really quickly. It just mm -hmm. like, you know, like a wildfire. And at that point when people could see my work that were outside of Portland also, um, I started connecting with those artists and that's when, you know, I started printing for them and, um, and yeah, making that like a consistent thing for me. Nice. Um, so before you kind of went down that path, did you go the school route? Was there? I did, yeah. I went to school for graphic design. Uh, I went to a four-year liberal arts school, uh, a private school, and uh, so I spent way too much money and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and got my degree. But for the first couple of years, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So school was really good for me in that way because it allowed me to try all these different fields and, um, and experiment. And when I found out that you could do these visual things like design work you know like you could lay out a magazine cover you could design a poster you could design someone's branding and you could actually get paid to do that you could like i mean it was seemed like a really practical way to be an artist full-time yeah. and i was like i can depend on this for money cool and uh so that's when i just was like yep this is my thing and i started branding different events on campus i, I really tried to get different jobs with different um, different uh, groups and stuff. Like I would do t-shirts for different um, uh, hangouts or, or, or parties and stuff like that. I went to the theater department, can I design your posters? I went to the newspaper department, can I be your designer? And I just like started really getting out there with that and learning how to do things. So it was easier for me because I had built up a real portfolio before I left school, whereas mm -hmm. most people when they get out of school, all they have to show um, potential employers is school assignments. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that helped me a lot. And, um, and of course, so much of it's networking too. So yeah, totally. I had some luck in knowing the right people and them kind of hooking me up with, with other companies and stuff because it's rough as a designer and artist out there, obviously, I mean, to get work. It's, there's so many people out there doing it, and especially in Portland, there are like everyone's a designer like that's yeah. the joke you know yeah. <laughs> so it is tough and, unless you really get out there and network for yourself and hustle yeah totally I think you're the prime example of that because I, I was telling you like when I came into Portland last year last summer mm -hmm. I was just like where are all these skulls coming from because <laughs> the, this guy's everywhere and like just that hustling mentality of like getting your name out like I don't think anyone's doing it better. You know what I mean? Oh, I so, appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate yeah, that. You're killing well, it, man. And branding has been such an important part of my project. I think there are, there are definitely people out there in Portland, for example, who are up harder than me, but you wouldn't necessarily know it because while they have beautiful art and really cool stuff, it's just the consistency and branding that I learned from graphic design has really helped me um, get out there and, and help people be able to identify my work very quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a street artist, you have to realize you have a fraction of a second to get someone's attention. You know what I mean? Like people are, people are bombarded by visual stimulus all day long and for them to take time to look at the back of a street sign, you just can't expect that. So the clearer and crisper and more consistent um, and fine-tune your images, the quicker they're going to be able to identify that. And so um, I do have hundreds of different designs, but they're all very clearly branded. And so uh, it allows people to have that, you know, that gestalt, that like instant recognition, yeah. which is what I've been going for. So I'm glad that it sounds like that's working. Oh, so. totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like every street sign on Mississippi Street that we yeah. like, oh, hey. Yeah. 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 Um, so how did you, uh, I mean, you said that you took that initial 
image was a photograph. Mm -hmm. How did you build into, like what was the evolution into screen printing, like into that medium? Yeah, that's a good question. So I had been really interested in art since I was really young. Um, my folks always really, you know, uh, fostered that urge that I had, which was great. My mom, um, she did a lot of consulting with uh, scrapbooking. So like our house was pretty much like our whole downstairs has me growing up was always a, scra like a scrapbooking store. And my mom would teach classes and sell scrapbooking supplies. And so she always had a camera in her hand and I learned that from early on. So I always had a camera in my hand. And um, when I started uh, photographing everything and then getting interested in doing it, I had that photo that I was using. And it was something about that crisp, clean, photo that I had, I was taking it through a pane of glass even, and somehow it came out really well without any weird, you know, shines or anything that you normally get. And um, so I had a good image to start out with, which really helped. But uh, at that point, I started, you know, printing it out, drawing on top of it. I started, um, one of the first things I did, and I'm not exactly sure why I did, but it's become such an integral part of my process now is block uh, carving, uh, wood block carving. So. I would take the image of the skull and trace it onto a block and then carve it. And I just kept doing that over and over. And what I really liked about it was that there were all these, every time I carved it, every time I redrew it, it just kept getting warped slightly. And it was something that I couldn't do personally. I'm not someone who can sit there and draw, you know, something in my head. Like I have to have some kind of photo or some kind of um, stock image that I've collected or whatever ahead of time to, to trace off to make sure, you know, somewhat kind of proportions are there or something like that. So I, um, I had that photo and I just started redrawing it over and over and every time I redraw it, it would change and um, that's how it probably took a good solid two years maybe of that before it got to like the clear branded image that I was really happy with. Because before that it just kept changing and evolving quite a bit. And uh, so between, you know, filtering it in Photoshop to redrawing outlines, to recarving it, to printing it, to vectoring it again, now I'm an illustrator and I'm making edits. Um, it was just a lot of reworking and reworking and really embracing the mistakes that were happening in the process and not looking them, at them as mistakes, but just a natural evolution of that image. And not being able to control that, especially with woodblock carving, was what I've always found really exciting about that process is because it won't be perfect, but it's not perfect in a way that you can't do purposefully. Does that make sense? It's yeah. just like, you know, you just yeah. embrace that and yeah. It's like the grain of the wood dictates yeah. how things are going to move. That's mm -hmm. like, that's and that little awesome. piece chipped off and oh, well, that's part of the image now because yeah. you know, and yeah, it's, it's like applying, it's like the difference between applying a stock Photoshop grunge brush, instead of actually like, you know, going out there, like if you, you know, downloading a vector ink blot, you know, brush set or going out and literally taking, you know, some India ink and splattering on a piece of paper and then scanning it. Like there's yeah. a, there's a real grunge and then there's like what you're given in, you know, free Photoshop land. Like there's yeah, a big difference yeah, there. Totally. And so, yeah, I believe in like doing it yourself and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been curious for the last year, very curious, the name, how did oh. it come about? Like what's, what's that's that? interesting story actually. Yeah. So a lot of people, um, they think it's like, Oh, like, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know this for sure, but I assume a lot of people think it's because 
you know, RX is the is the sign for prescription, right? And so they probably think I'm a druggie or something, or I enjoy, you know, <laughs> I enjoy uh, going and getting high, or I don't know. But it has it's actually the complete opposite of that. It's um, part of the reason I got really interested in kind of the morbid um, side of art and and this like iconic imagery of death and. Uh, was because I was taking all these classes in art school at the time about uh, memento mori artwork. Uh, memento mori means uh, in Latin basically like remember death or remember you will die. And there was this whole slew of, of uh, beautiful paintings that had to do with uh, death and, and dying and reminding yourself, you know, like live each day because, you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And uh, at that same time, my family and I had been undergoing some really serious medical problems. Um, within a two-year span, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she had chemo radiation and survived. My dad uh, was diagnosed with cancer. He had surgery. He's fine. My grandpa had surgery for cancer. He's fine. My grandmother was diagnosed with lung cancer. She died. My other grandmother fell, broke her hip died soon after. Even my dog had a tumor and uh, she survived. But um, And then at the same time I had a, a tumor uh, right below my brain and they had to go in and have surgery and remove that because it was giving me these monstrous headaches for you know ages. And the thing with my illness was that I it was misdiagnosed for the first like eight months so I was put on all these medications that I didn't need. And I was just like, you know, it didn't matter if it was a steroid that was giving me all these weird side effects or if it was a pain medication. Like, I am not someone to use drugs recreationally. I, I don't like getting drunk. Like, I don't like that feeling. And for me to put in this, be put in this situation where I have to take all this medications and then finding out that they were unnecessary in the first place, you know, and having these long-term effects that I have to deal with now because of that, um, just made me so frustrated and it was one of the main things that that made me start my project um, Basically by putting skulls everywhere. It's almost like a memento mori in itself It's like this little daily reminder as someone walks by, you know It's this real morbid way of saying, you know carpe diem, you know, like, yeah, totally. and so the name RX um, was reflection of that frustration uh, of all those pills that I was meant to take that I hated taking and I didn't end up even needing to, to take, you know, all it took was, and I mean, I say all it took, but it took, you know, a 20 plus thousand dollar surgery yeah. um, to go into my brain and get this tumor out. But did I need to have taken all these other meds for eight months ahead of time? You know, like, absolutely not. Wow. So there's always been kind of a, a frustrated medical component to some of my designs that you might have seen from ages ago like I touched on that a lot more when it was fresher you know but still kicks back from time to time for sure yeah that's really cool that that's like your outlet for dealing with that has yeah. manifested in a like really useful like you know it's your art form like yeah. It's amazing. You, know? yeah. you can take something that's negative like that and turn it around. Thanks. And well, the um, funny, the funny thing about the name too is like, it, all my name was always meant to just be RX, and when I signed up for Flickr to have a profile, <laughs> I couldn't just put RX because I was taken. So I was like, well, what do I do? What do I do? I'm making skulls. These are my skulls. These are RX skulls. That's what they are. That's not who I am. I'm RX. They're my skulls. So, but everyone just automatically called, started calling me RX skulls. 
because that was the name yeah. that I used under Flickr. So that's always been really funny. And it took me maybe, seriously, like only in the last year have I accepted that as my name. I was like, <laughs> no, fuck that. That's not my name. I'm RX. Those are my, you know, and I would tell people that too and, and be like, you know, in shows like, don't list it as that, just list it as RX. And, and then finally I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like it's, it's yeah. been my, it's my branding now, whether I like it or not. It's like yeah. a tattoo. Like that's yeah. whatever, like might as well accept it. So yeah. only in this past year have you actually seen me put RX goals on any sticker design. Before that, it was always just RX, or it was no name at all. <laughs> That's so funny, because I have like sort of a similar way that my name kind of came out of just like, I used to overlap an I, an I and an H. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like from third grade, that was like my symbol, you know? Yeah. And uh, in 2009, they were like, you have to have a name for this show, you know, like what's the name? And I was like, uh, I and an H and a square, you know? And so that's uh -huh. what, like, I named it. Yeah. And now, like, over the years, like, I've just used that, like, IH squared thing. And now it's to the point where I'm like, I really don't <laughs> like the name at all, but it's it's already set, you know? It's like that You're tattoo thing it. where yeah. it's like, well, it's, it's not, like, a terrible name. I don't, like, hate it. But right. it's one of those things where it's like, oh, wow, that just, it kind of, like, happens to you. It doesn't, mm -hmm. like, you don't make the decision. Yeah, it kind exactly. of, like, makes it to you, so. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that that's where that came from. That's Very really similar, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as like where you're at right now, what do you want to move into the future with? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how is, how is RX goals going to grow and change? Good question. Um, and part of it, I don't know. A lot of it is I don't know, and that is what I like about it, is that I really like being... I'm, I'm very excited about what I do because I never know what's next. And um, it's really... I get that, like, very short-lived, but very blissful moment of, oh, I just made this new design, or I started this new project, and I get really stoked about it, and I'm all in. And I feel like if I had too much of a plan for where my project was going to go, it would get... It wouldn't, I wouldn't have that like excitement, you know, as much. Mm -hmm. So I do have long-term plans um, about, you know, my growth uh, in general. I know that I want to have certain shows in the next year or two. I know that I want to move into my own personal studio space within the next two years. Uh, I know that, I know that for sure I will be using this icon for the rest of my life. Like mm -hmm. I can tell you that with no hesitation. Um, but I can't tell you what the skull's gonna look like in, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years, which is exciting for me, because yeah. it's always changing. Yeah. Um, but I definitely wanna have my first solo show coming up in the next couple years. Uh, I have big plans for that. I've been doing things to get ready for that show. I, I really play the long game a lot of time. I mean, for example, for the last, for about four years, maybe five years, uh, I saved all my vinyl scraps. So every time I cut out stickers, I would save them. And you can see all the trash bags, which you can't see, uh, who's listening, but there are <laughs> about 12 giant trash bags in my studio that we're looking at right now, and they're full of vinyl scraps. Wow. And that's like four or five years worth of skulls that have gone out. And so my idea is to, and I've stopped collecting them now because it's getting a little ridiculous, hoarder status, <laughs> but I am planning to cover the gallery floor with all those vinyl scraps. You can be walking on all my hard work as you look at what it evolved to become. So I definitely have all these big plans, but as far as like, what am I going to have in the show? I have no idea. You know, I don't know where I'll be at at that time, but um, I'd say the most exciting thing for me personally that I'm looking forward to is uh, moving to a personal studio space. I want to, 
you know, my wife and I are planning to move into a house in the next couple of years, and we're going to make sure that I can build a studio in the backyard when we when we do that. So, my studio will be my space. It will be um, everything will be custom, and uh, you know, I'll have a space for everything. I'll have, you know, I'll be able to grit out art on the walls. We'll invite people over. I'll be able to have my own space and and. Um, Having that like sanctuary is really important to me, and I love where I'm at now. I'm sharing space with a few friends, but that you know, I think everybody has that that dream of like having that custom built out space for their own stuff, and that's it. And that's I'm very very excited about that. So yeah, we'll yeah. see when that happens, but it's definitely on the horizon. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have a an idea like? Obviously, I see that you're wearing one of your shirts. Mm. <laughs> like, are you going to be moving into like doing that sort of stuff? Because like I personally really want like, a <laughs> t-shirt. I, you know, I started screen printing t-shirts. That's what I did for so long, and I just I started juggling both at the same time. And for me, I find it so much less satisfying doing t-shirts than I do doing stickers. Personally, um, when I started connecting with Threadless um, T-shirt Company. Uh, they invited me to do a mural in their headquarters in Chicago a couple years ago and ever since then I've kind of like been in contact with them mm -hmm. and so I started an artist shop with them about maybe like four months ago or so so right now as it stands um, I've enjoyed a really great relationship with them where they screen print my shirts and um, basically they kick back uh, per shirt amount every time they sell a shirt of mine. I can go on there, add new shirts whenever I want, delete shirts. Um, they do screen print them in the US by hand, so it's still got that DIY feel, and it's something that allows me to not have to worry about, you know, sizes and what kind of fit people want, and oh, it got lost, now I have to set everything up to like print another one, or, you know, doing pre-sales versus having a lot of stock sitting around, and. And uh, so I think a lot of, I think I got turned off t-shirts, not just because of the, the major hustle that it involves, but I started trying to do screen printing before I went into my, my street art project as a job. And I made some huge mistakes and lost a lot of money and worked with some really difficult clients. <laughs> and it kind of just, yeah, it kind of turned me off from the whole t-shirt thing, sadly. So. Letting Threadless handle that for me lets me be able to put all my effort into making stickers, which is like my true passion. Um, but you'll definitely see me do like a limited t-shirt run or bandana run from time to time. Mm -hmm. You'll definitely, you know, um, I'm, I'm wearing like a, 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 the design I have on my shirt right now is actually a test print from a bandana run that I was doing. Cool. So, um, nice. but yeah, I'll definitely, you know, do t-shirts for pals and stuff. I've still have a t-shirt carousel. So it's kind of more of a once in a while fun thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, instead of like a main source of, you know, income or, totally. or, or, um, my interest or whatever. Yeah. So, and then it becomes something that's more special. Yeah. Because like if you can snag one, you gotta mm -hmm. pick it up while it's there. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. Definitely, man. That's cool. Um, can you let me in on like some of your daily rituals as like a creative person? Like what, what drives you, you know what I mean? That's a good question. Well, my, my therapy has always been, I'm a very antsy person, so I'm always doing something. I can't, I'm not the kind of person who can just like sit in front of the TV and just like, you know, watch TV or watch a movie. Like I have to be moving around and doing something. So my main therapy, but just about every night is cutting out stickers. So that's something I do on the daily. and. I um, 
I, uh, I even have a plotter that cuts out stickers for you. And I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna be spending all that time cutting stickers now, I'm gonna have that time for other things. And I got the plotter and I started doing it and I was like, oh, I really missed that time. I didn't realize how much I depended on that to like let my mind go blank and just, you know, and so I still do that as a service for other artists, but I don't do it, I barely do it for myself. And so cutting stickers, definitely a big thing that I do for myself. Um, I have a, a little laptop that I bring back and forth from work so that I can uh, work on any new projects that come to mind, but a lot of the years that I was a graphic designer, I would drive a lot for my job. So I was always talking into my phone, like recording ideas and stuff. So that constant brainstorming of new ideas of what I can do is definitely something I do on the daily. I'm always writing little sticky notes to myself or I'm, you know, um, I'm dictating uh, like ideas into my email and email it to myself. So when I get home, like I don't forget. And, uh, and then, you know, actually, actually you know organizing everything I have is a big thing for me too like I'm pretty OCD when it comes to like how my art is displayed how I package my art how I store it so I've built like a big you know almost like if you go to the mail if you look in behind a mail room they have all those little like cubbies gridded out I've made something like that for all my stickers, so at my house it's just like, just like yeah, tons of them, rad. and so I'll go and I'll like organize what I have, or or take what I have and 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 um, take it out for make packs for like certain friends who may get me up in other cities that I can't afford to travel to, or you know, or uh, packs for future travels. So I'm kind of always moving things around and you know playing with what I have and and stuff and. Uh, so yeah, those are definite things that I do pretty frequently and they keep me sane. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so. It's interesting how that daily ritual or those like rituals keep a lot of artistic people like really level and mm -hmm. like exactly. I know that without my like sort of routines and rituals I would be a basket case. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> Absolutely. totally interesting. Um, when did you decide that, you know, it was like time to move into the full time art? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. what was the You know, I got like a little bit of a kick in the butt from my job because I was working as a contractor as a graphic designer which is how most designers work these days because you know no big companies want to hire someone full-on and pay them benefits and all that of course mm -hmm. and uh, so I was working on two-year contracts I worked on one two-year contract and then got hired back for a second one and then the third time they were like yeah our, our, our big project has died down so much like it went from me being a designer in a team of like three or four to being in the beginning to being a designer in a team of like 18 and then it by the time I was there I'm ending my second contract we'd gone back down to like a group of three again so it was definitely a project that was dying off and um, you know they were like you know we don't think we're gonna be able to hire you back and all this time I'd been doing these side jobs of screen printing for people and I'd been networking and it kind of occurred to me at that point like do I really need this anymore you know and uh, can I can I hustle and make this work and and so obviously I had a you know big talk with my wife and we talked about like can we do this and and so um, I was like you know I'm always gonna wonder if I don't do it you know I'd rather do it and fail than always think about it so at that point you know I had all the supplies I felt like I needed I had the connections in town with what I needed for um, getting resupplied on, on things and and so I was like alright well I'm done with work pretty much at this particular place it's the perfect time to try and do this so 
uh, it, it definitely, the opportunity presented itself, and um, I guess looking at not having a job is an interesting way of looking at it as an opportunity, but that's how I looked at it. I was like, all right, great, you know, I don't have to choose not to work here anymore. The choice has been made for me, so let's do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been twice as much work, for sure, for less money, but, but it's definitely been worth it. Like, I cannot ever see myself going back to, you know, doing the cubicle job. Yeah. It's just, it's not for me. So. The amount of fulfillment you get out of just like, because it doesn't matter how many extra hours I work. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm working for myself. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm spending more time doing this. Like, I don't know. There's, that's, there's so much fulfillment in that. I agree completely, yeah. That's why I like to go over that topic especially with lots of people because mm -hmm. so many people live on that edge of like mm -hmm. what am I going to do what should I do what should I do and like the most important thing to remember is just like it doesn't matter man like you just have to do it mm -hmm. if, if you're going to try to make it like I didn't have like a buffer of money or mm -hmm. anything like really solid planned out mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful for that that I didn't like make it the perfect time I just I just made it the time because I was like I hate working at Whole Foods you know what I mean I was just like <laughs> yeah. I am not living up to my potential like I'm just gonna try this mm -hmm. and you do have to work extra you do have to work harder oh, yeah. but that's what makes the work ethic that's gonna like push you to the next level of it being something that's sustainable so exactly. I think people love hearing that sort of like mm -hmm. oh he did it yeah you know, it too, so. yeah and that's the thing like you're never gonna do it unless you commit right mm -hmm. and so it's a little scary at first sure but so worth it yeah so worth totally. it is there any like um moments like memories or artists any any like one inspiration that you feel like has kind of led you to this point. Like some people have like that aha moment where they like meet some person where it's mm. like, oh, this is possible or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely actually. Um, well, I guess I should ask first, do you mean um, doing art full time or getting into street art? Mostly getting into street art, yeah. you know what I mean? That would be, um, I mean, I can tell you pretty much the exact date. It was like summer of 2009. <laughs> I, uh, I had graduated college and um, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, we were like, let's do a big trip, you know, like, let's do the stereotypical American goes backpacking in Europe trip. And we did that. And what did I have on me? My camera, of course. And uh, it was just like this bombardment of visual, you know, stimulus. It was just like all this street art everywhere and graffiti everywhere because it's just so much more palpable there and so much more visceral and just like in your face than it is here. Right. And so we went through, oh, gosh, we went you know, London, Scotland, we went to Spain, we went to Italy, we went to Germany, we went to Holland, Switzerland, and everywhere we went, I just started, I was photographing all the street art, like to the point where my, my girlfriend was just pulling me away, like, you don't need to get everything, I was like, I have to, and so uh, it was this like innate need to capture everything, and I was so inspired by it, and I was like, you know, it didn't at that point occur to me that I could do it. It was just like, I really enjoyed documenting it. And when I got home, I had thousands of photos of all this stuff. And I, by that time, my, my eye had been trained to look at all these places that I normally wouldn't look. So when I'm walking around Portland now, I'm like, I'm looking at the back of a street sign. I'm looking at the side of an electrical box, which is somewhere normally people don't look. It's white noise to them. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's street art here in Portland that I've never seen. How, where'd this come from, you know? And um, at that point is where it became accessible for me. I was like, anyone can do this, wow. 
you know, I'm already screen printing t-shirts. I wonder if I can screen print stickers. I'd see these stickers everywhere. That'd be really fun. And I've always been that kid to collect stickers. You know, most kids like love stickers, but I had them on everything. And so that was the part of street art that I really um, gravitated towards. And uh, so for me, that trip and getting back and, and having my eye trained to those particular places and seeing that, that was really what made it for me. I maybe watched a few street art documentaries after that and that probably sealed the deal, <laughs> you know, where yeah. I was like, oh wow, cool, this really is a thing, yeah. you know. So. And then as far as like that skull that you saw in that museum, like mm -hmm. what was the lightning strike there? I think I had just been using that image so often beforehand, like in school assignments, I would use the texture of it as a background or in, you know, I would, I would, uh, I would zoom in on certain portions of it or draw the whole thing and integrate it into something. And so at that time, you know, I had been interested in the, the Memento Mori theme of art, you know, because of the illness and, and things I'd been studying. And then I had that skull that I'd been integrating into my work in school assignments so much. I was just, it was the first thing that popped into my head, you know, it was like, let's try that, you know, and all I did was halftone it. I just halftoned it. I didn't, at that point, I didn't have the eyes in there. I didn't have any of the other features. And it was very plain and very simple. And I think also, making that I would just grid out screens with that same image over and over and over and over that allowed people in the city to recognize my work really quick because it was the same thing over and over it was like wait there's that skull again there's that skull again there's that skull again mm -hmm. not here's something that's new it looks kind of like that other thing across the street but I'm not really sure you know it was very clear that, yeah. that was that one person doing it over and over and over so um so yeah the repetitiveness of it also became really really addictive for yeah. me how has that changed your life? You know what I mean? Like, how has that affected your life being, like, everything. Once, once everyone starts to recognize it and it starts to grow, I mean, I'm sure that's... Yeah, I mean, most people, for example, just, like, the friends and family that I have around me on a, on a daily basis, like, that completely changed. Like, I, most people will say, oh, yeah, friends I graduated high school with, those are the friends I have for the rest of my life, or the friends you graduate college with, those are the best friends you ever had. I don't hang out with anyone from college four years of my life I don't see any of those people I see one person from high school in a somewhat regular basis all my friends all my support system all through street art so like I mean it changed everything for me it changed who I hung out with it changed where I hung out it changed you know, I don't have any other hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for any other hobbies or any desire to have any other hobbies this is all I do so you know I'm sure it was a really big thing for my wife to get used to too because she she was she had the old me, right? <laughs> Who, you know, would have other hobbies and interests and we spent time doing other things together and then all of a sudden I'd found this one thing that I had to spend all my time doing, you know? And so it was probably hardest on her to be honest, but um but the fact that uh the fact that I just didn't have any other choice in my head, you know, it's like I had to drop everything else just to do this. And so really it changed everything about my day-to-day -day life, you know, to my goals, to, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always good when something like takes off, you know, mm -hmm. you know you're doing it right. Just yeah. Like everything kind of clears the path and you're like, this is what I got to do. Like, cause I'm the same way. Like I, I don't have anything else that I do. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's all, I'm all in, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's cool when stuff works out like that. Um, how do you like overcome like creative blocks? Hmm. 
on creative blocks. That's rough. I like I don't have creative. I mean, blocks. I don't want to. <laughs> it sounds really egotistical. It sounds really pretentious. No, but no, it's not. I feel like I don't get blocked because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I I don't necessarily put any pressure on the project. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have an idea at that point in time, I'm just pumping out more of the same work in different colorways or different like and there's no way to really get blocked in that way because it's like there's so many options for sizes and how do I break down the image for different colors and stuff and so when something new comes along it's really exciting but I don't feel like I'm ever really in a rut with my project and maybe that's why it's lasted as long as it has and I feel so confident about it continuing is because I've never hit that moment where I'm like what do I do next dang it I don't know what to do now and I'm yeah. stuck and and with screen printing and with branding and with street art there's just so many avenues and so many options that you know maybe that's why it's so exciting mm -hmm. is because you don't feel that and uh, because I I only sell my stuff as a side gig and not necessarily as my main source of income I mean I'd love to be able to sell sticker packs for a living and that's all mm -hmm. but I, that's just not realistic um, because I'm not depending on it for full-time income, it, puts, it takes a lot of the pressure off of that, and it makes me be able to do whatever I want. I'm not thinking about, are people going to respond well to that image? I'm thinking, like, is it exciting for me? You know, and so like my new series, my Poison Label series, I'm really stoked about that. And I'm glad other people are stoked about it, but if they weren't stoked about it, I'd still be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I don't know if that answers that. No, that totally does. I mean, I think a lot of people that do experience those creative blocks, I think their their main issue is that they're not continually being busy mm -hmm. throughout. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's how I like get rid of that is just uh, not giving myself the option to think about it and be like, oh, I'm I'm not creative today. I just like start something and then it eventually evolves into it. Right. Um, one thing that I'm really curious about is like being the street artist that you are, are you concerned at all with like the legal repercussions mm. or is that like affecting like your potential future moves and stuff like that? Yeah, def it always affects, affects uh, future moves. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I've, you know, cut myself off from certain things. I've given away certain opportunities. You know, I, I had uh, opportunities to do um, live art, you know, with big companies, you know, I mean, I got approached by Mercedes to do like, yeah, live art for a tour they were doing. And I would have gotten paid like $3,000 for something like a few hours. And I had to say no. I, ha I mean, I gave it to a friend, which was really cool to be able to do that. But I had to say no. And would that $3,000 have made a huge difference in my life? Oh my gosh. Yeah, huge. But I had to say no, because I can't have my face out there, my name on these documents and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it will always affect me in that way. There might be a time, you know, where I'm outed, you know, someone hates me enough to where they um, out all my information and then I don't have control anymore. And, you know, maybe it'll be to the point where it's like Shepard Fairey and he can put his face out there and still get up because people know, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's probably a really scary and refreshing, you know, thing at the same time to not have to worry about that. But for now, I'm definitely always worried about it. You know, if I have an art show, I'm not at my art show, you know, and that's sad that I can't be there to share that with the people who are coming, but it's part of the deal, you know? Yeah. And um, so that will cut me off from certain opportunities, but at the same time, being mysterious about it 
draws a certain serious interest from people too. I've, I've felt that when I meet somebody, the interest in my work goes down 50%. Like all of a sudden, because they know who I am, you know, it's like, oh, I have a face to think about and a name to hear when I see that person's work now. It's not that like, the, the mystery behind it is half the fun a lot of times. Like yeah. who is doing that? Like yeah. where, how did he do that? Or when did he do that or whatever? And, and so um, to look at it on the positive, you know, that's definitely uh, a big source of interest in my project, too. It's like, and I like that because I don't want, I don't care about people knowing who I am. I don't care about people knowing my name. I don't care about people see, like knowing what I look like. When you see my work, I want you to see my work, and that's it. You know, I want that skull image to be what's seared into your head, and that's all that's important to me. So That's so interesting to hear because, like, I have that, I mean, I'm, I'm, so connected to my work as far as like I do like lots of shows where I have to meet people directly and that's sort of a part of like the brand I guess is mm -hmm. like my personality me meeting the people and me being like this is why I love to do what I you know this is why I'm doing what I do you know what I mean mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because on days where I'm not doing a show I don't know if someone that I walk past on the street I'm just like totally ignoring them because you know I don't right. remember everybody oh sure yeah and so it's just one of those things where I'm like constantly paranoid about it and like <laughs> to think about life as like through your eyes where they're just seeing the work for what it is and yeah. like that's so refreshing like that's like a really really interesting perspective like mm -hmm. I think that that's so cool that you're kind of pushing the envelope in that way and like separating your ego and yourself from it because I think the, the work shows that like there's all this growth potential and all these things and you don't necessarily have to be the guy behind it. You know? Right, it's, yeah. It's inspiring. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks. for sure. Um, I only have like one more question, I think. Um, yeah, so like using social media mm -hmm. and living in this mm -hmm. time, like mm -hmm. how have you used that to your benefit? How, oh, you know what I mean? Like it's so influential. It's like, I would not be able to do what I'm doing without social media. It's, it's the only way I'm able to um, connect with as many people that I do and the only way that I've been able to make a living off of this, you know? I mean, taking advantage of, you know, a free advertising platform, a free marketing platform like Instagram, for example, is, is the way that I've been able to connect and network with all these artists who are, you know, who are allowing me to pay my bills and stuff. So, um, you know, I think street artists today can accomplish what Shepard Ferry did in a quarter of the time. You know, I mean, he had to travel to every city, every major city and get up like crazy. And for us, for better or for worse, we have to have an Instagram account yeah. mm -hmm. and be good at taking photos and being consistent about posting things. But I feel like these days, it's good to have a healthy balance of that. I mean, right, there are plenty of people out there who, who are street art famous, quote unquote, um, but don't even get up because they're taking photos every once in a while of their work, maybe up on a dumpster or something like that, and they're just tricking everybody. But uh, having that healthy balance of using it in a healthy, using social media in a healthy way, not being dependent on it, uh, using it as a form of documentation and not just money, 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 right? Mm -hmm. I really try to not abuse the amount of followers that I've been fortunate enough to gain over the years. Um, I try and make, you know, 80 to 90% of my posts purely about the art, purely about showing what I'm up to, 
and then the other 10% is what I have to do to live, you know, mm -hmm. like posting about a new gang run that I'm doing, posting about a new sticker pack that I've come out with that you can purchase, posting about, you know, the personal runs that I'm doing for people and stuff. Yeah. So um, I think it can be the reason that people are successful and the reason that people are not successful or even disliked, you know, how mm -hmm. they use it and stuff. And because yeah. a lot of it can be ego, you know, I mean, a lot of people these days can be social media stars like that can be their fucking job yeah. you know like they take pictures selfies all day and you know then get advertising deals from you know teeth whitening companies and shit like that mm -hmm. so i've used it as a tool and i feel like i'm using it pretty well as a tool but it's i don't i try not to rely on it more than i have to yeah totally so for people that are interested in supporting your work mm -hmm. what is like the best way for them to is it like going to Threadless and buying a shirt or like buying a sticker pack directly like yeah I mean I love printing other people's stuff so my biggest thing is if you need stickers made you know like give me a chance to print those for you because you know there are so many companies out there who are faceless and nameless and it's just like it's all about money for them and I love what I do I have fun doing what I'm doing I love doing custom stuff for people so, um, I mean, yeah, I always appreciate it when people snag t-shirts and sticker packs. That is great. That allows me to continue doing what I'm doing. All that money goes back towards art supplies for me to continue making my own stuff. Where I really make money to, you know, keep the lights on is where I'm doing sticker jobs for people. So, um, you know, yeah, I would love to print other people's stuff and if yeah. they want to hit me up, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, that's awesome because I didn't really know I mean, I knew that you did print other people's stuff, mm -hmm. but being actually in the studio and seeing how much equipment that you have, like, mm -hmm. you're an industrial-sized printer. Like, you, <laughs> I mean, you, you have the, the capability, rather. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not one of those, like, nameless, big, faceless corporations, but, like, you have the capability to do amazing print jobs for people, and I think that that's, like, really blown my mind today. Uh, cool. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I could totally have this guy, like, print tons of stickers for me. So, Heck like, yeah. awesome. I think that, um, yeah, I think that that's a great to know sweet but um so how how do people follow you it's rx um, yeah i have an instagram account that's a r r e x skulls s-k-u-l-l-s that's the uh that's the handle for that i have uh um i have a website rx skulls.com and that will actually kick you to all my social media accounts and um and my online store and stuff so uh that would be an easy way my online store is uh rxskulls.bigcartel.com and that one's spelled out A-R-R-E-X Skulls um, but yeah like I said the website will take care of all that and has a, a cool gallery of like some of my favorite photos from my work over the years and stuff too so right yeah. well thanks so much for sitting down and doing Absolutely. a podcast interview definitely um, my name's Isaac Hastings and I go by IH Squared on Instagram and all that and my co-host is Jill and she goes by <laughs> yeah, so um, definitely check out RX's stuff. It's incredible work. Um, and yeah, dude, thanks so much.